Thank you very much for the introduction and also for uh, organizing and to have invited me. And thank you to all of you to being here and for your interest. Yeah. I analyzed relations between women's groups in Istanbul and international women's organizations from the late 19th century until 1935. Well, my focus was on the perspective of uh, women's groups in Istanbul and to explain how far international women's organizations were successful in establishing contacts with them and what were the challenges and obstacles which they had to face. My research contributes to an understanding of feminism as a structuring order for the process of modernization and to consideration that the development of women's rights in Turkey was a product of exchange processes with Western women's movement uh, in the early 20th century. I will talk about uh, some results, results of my research. Firstly, I will present you the women's journals published in Istanbul from the late 19th century until 1920s in Istanbul and the women's organizations which I've selected for my research and then three international women's organizations uh, which were active during this time and shaped the international gender policy. After this introduction, I present representatives of Ottoman and Turkish women at international feminist congresses and the perspective of women's groups in Istanbul about Western feminism. This perspective, because this perspective was uh, important and shaped the relationship with uh, Western women's movement. This will be then the first part of, of the topic, uh, Turkish women in the context of international feminism. And the second part of the topic, Turkish women in the context of international feminism, is about the relationship of the Turkish Women's Union, a women's organization founded in 1924 in Istanbul with the International Alliance of Women. And I give then more details about this part. It is um, the phase of institutionalized relations with Western women's movement, in which also the Turkish state played an active role. The, I talk about then, uh, the ambiguous positions to women's political rights and the International Feminist Congress in Istanbul, 1935, which was hosted by the Turkish Women's Union. I analyzed three women's journals documenting activities and correspondences of each women's groups organized around these journals in Istanbul. These are Hanımlara Mahsus Gazete, Journal for Women, Kadınlar Dünyası, The Women's World, the, this was the publication organ of the Ottoman Association for the Defense of Women's Rights. And Türk Kadın Yolu, the Path of Turkish Women, publication organ of the Turkish Women's Union. Hanımlara Mahsus Gazete was published from 1895 until 1906 and is the oldest women's journal in the Ottoman Empire belongs to the social political context of the Sultanate under Abdulhamid II. This journal formed a first platform for Ottoman Muslim female writers to publish their works, articles, and their ideas about gender roles. Female writers of the journal, like Fatma Aliye and Emine Semiye, I had the pictures of them, they were also the pioneers in the field of women's literature. And there were also male writers of the journal. The Kadınlar Dünyası, the women's world, it was a publication organ of the 
Association, Ottoman Association for the Defense of Women's Rights in Turkish, Osmanlı Müdafaa Hukuki Nisvan Cemiyeti. I will then always say, um, use Nisvan Cemiyeti as the abbreviation form when I talk about this organization. This organization was a, had a specific program and um, activities targeted <coughs> to break first chains, holding Muslim women in the house. For example, the members of the organization did a sit-in action in the telephone company in Istanbul and made a petition to the government that Muslim women also can be employed in the telephone company in Istanbul. They organized the flight of a woman, Belkis Shevket, she was a member of the Nisvan Cemiyeti, as a pilot of a military jet and made a public event from it by inviting journalists and politicians and this to show that women are able to do male works too, and that Ottoman women support the Turkish army. This was in 1914, and it was a very sensational event. Also, an international feminist journal, Joseph Raji, reported about it. The purpose with this event was also that Nisvan Cemiyeti wanted to help for fundraising for the military jet, for a military jet for the Turkish army. The action was um, those conditional. These are the women's journals and organizations, and this is the Hanımlara Mas Gazete. This is one, the issue of 4th September 1895. This is now the Kadınlar so the women's world. Here on the left side, the picture of the flight organized by the Nisvan Cemiyeti. In the background, there are board members. The board members of the Nisvan Cemiyeti, and one of the main is a politician, Süreyya Bey, the husband of <coughs> Mesadet Bedirhan, who was a board member of the Nisvan Cemiyeti too. The Nisvan Cemiyeti is embedded in the context of the second constitutional era of the Ottoman Empire and was inspired by the Young Turk Revolution, 1908. In its publication organ, it openly criticized the Ottoman government not having held its promise to guarantee certain women's rights which were in the program of the young Turkish underground organizations before the revolution. These were the equal access of women to, to academic uh, education, women's political rights, the ban of poly polygamy, and the reform of female outdoor clothes, like the, the ban of veil. Uh, These promises were uh, forgotten by the young Turk leaders very quickly after the successful revolution. And there were also many women being active uh, in the underground organizations of the Young Turks in European exile, and they were in the forefront during the revolutionary days, and uh, were then disappointed and founded several women's organizations and journals to work for an improvement of women's status in the society and for economic emancipation of women. The Young Turk Revolution uh, actually had a triggering impact on women's activism. Very quickly with the revolution, several women's organizations and journals were founded, which means that before the revolution, a huge network of women existed but could not get in public spaces because of the censorship by the Ottoman state. And one year after the revolution, the censorship was introduced back with the consequence that several organizations and journals were closed. The Nisvan Cemiyeti was also active in exchange with feminists in Europe. There were European members of the organizations and European writers of the publication organ. French supplement of the journal was published 
in order to reach European public and also to give a platform to European writers, to European members of the Nisvan Cebiyeti to publish their works and articles. Now to the Turkish Women's Union. After the First World War with the Kemalist Revolution in 1919, women being active during the First World War in patriotic organizations for the support of the Turkish army and the members of various women's organizations gathered together in 1923 to form a political organization of women. Mm. This was Kadınlar Halk Fırkası, women's, the Women's People Party, with the constitution including women's political rights and women's obligatory military service. This women's group aimed to send female parliamentarians into the new <coughs> Turkish government. The group suddenly became object of public criticism and ridicule and was not accredited by the governor of Istanbul as a party. The members of the group changed then the name into Türk Kadınlar Birliği, the Turkish Women's Union, and formulated new constitutions without women's political rights and women's obligatory military service. It was then accredited as, a, as an organization for charity works with the aim to enlighten Turkish women and to raise the education of Turkish women into a level that they are aware of their duties as loyal citizens. Now to um, international women's organizations. I focus on the International Council of Women, international, the International Women's Suffrage Alliance, which was then named in 1926 to the International Alliance of Women for Suffrage and Equal Citizenship, and the Women's International League for Peace and Freedom. These organizations were also in certain relation to each other because one organization gave birth to another. It is defined in the research literature as grandmother, mother, and daughter. After the First World War, these three organizations pursued an expansion into the non-Western countries and established sections in various countries. They were also active around the League of Nations to push women's issues um, and their claims on the international level and were successful uh, with the issues of the nationality of married women and the suppression of traffic of women and children. They can be dealt with in, uh, within the League of Nations. And one of the core work of these organizations was gathering information about women's status in different, mostly Western countries, because they could elaborate their programs and strategies based on this information. They published reports about women's status in various countries and met public through this way how far each country was progressed in regard to women's rights and by doing so to, uh, to make use of the notion that uh, women's status is an indicator of a society's level of civilization. And this was a transnationally circulating concept and was seen as a key issue, particularly by young uh, nationalist movements to claim for their own progressiveness. And these organizations tried to establish contacts with Turkish women and women's organizations. And before the First World War, they tried to reach them around the American College for Girls, a missionary school founded by the American Board of Co Commissioners for Foreign Mission. They also invited women, Turkish women living, um, or women from the Ottoman Empire living in European exile to their congresses and led them to talk about the situation of women in the Ottoman Empire. The women in exile belonged mostly to oppositional groups against Sultan Abdul Hamid II and their reports served primarily to the 
goal of mobilizing the public opinion in Europe against Abdul Hamid II and to make pressure for certain reforms. The reports didn't necessarily reflect the situation of women in the Ottoman Empire. I now talk about Hanım Lara Mahsus Gazete and its view about Western women's movement. Uh, there are some sporadic contact with European women uh, provided by the Gazette, but the Gazette reported regularly about women's movement in Europe and USA, about several women's organizations and their activities. And there are also several issues related to feminist activities in uh, Western countries and were discussed within the journal, such as the reform of female clothes the issue of the corset, women's access to academic education and professions, women's vote, and also about pacifist women's organizations and journals. Through reporting about these developments, the writers of the journal tried to challenge the view on gender roles existing within their society. That is, by referring to the economical, political, and technological superiority of Western countries. According to their views, this, the participation of women in every sphere of the life contributed to this superiority in the West. This pattern of interpretation was also prevalent in the, both other women's journals published later, but there was another pattern of interpretation which is then very specific for the Gazette itself. This is the definition of feminism as a result of the need of women in Western countries to be treated as worthy of respect, which is, according to their views, already prescribed in Islam. Because Islam provides certain rights to women. These were the rights of alimony in the case of divorce, the property rights, and the inheritance rights for, for women, even they are not equally defined. The writers of the journal tried to, to show that Islam is more progressive in regard to women's rights than the Western world and defined feminism as a Western phenomenon, only answering to the needs of Western women and that it has no place within Islamic world. The notion about uh, women's status within Muslim communities being more progressive than the women's status in Western communities was also reflected in, the, in a report of an International Feminist <coughs> Congress in Washington in 1902. The report was given by Florence Fancham, Dean of the American College for Girls in Istanbul and Missioner of the American Board of Commissioners. Her report was about women's status in the Ottoman Empire at the Congress of the National American Women's Suffrage Association. This Congress led to the formation of the International, International Women's Suffrage Alliance, and the Congress was held to gather information about current women's status in the society, in the economics, and in the politics in several countries as a basis to formulate the program of the new international organization. Fansham gave a very detailed report about women in the Ottoman Empire about different existing laws within Muslim and Christian communities and emphasized that certain Orientalist notions about Muslim women being oppressed were not true. In Istanbul, according to her report, there were several Muslim women being engaged in trade and the veil was not an instrument of diminishing their liberty but allowed them to move, uh, to move freely without being object of humiliation on the streets. The summary part of her report states, first, Muslim law gives women rights denied her by many nations of the Western world. Second, if these acknowledged rights have failed to develop in her an independence and self-realization like those of 
Western women, the remedy lies in the thorough training of her mental powers. Third, the women of Turkey are realizing their inherent power and the limitations put upon it by tradition, and there is a growing intelligence and desire for learning among them. Fourth, given the ability, the desire, and the means, and it is but a matter of time and not long for the frozen bonds of custom to give way and the women of Turkey to take their place with others of the various countries of the world, improving the power of an emancipated womanhood. The intention of Fansham was not primarily to break with uh, Orientalist views about Muslim women existing in the U.S. American public, but to indicate that even women in a backward Muslim country like Turkey enjoy so many rights, which are denied to women in the civilized Western world and by doing so contributed to the intention of the Congress itself that an international organization for women's suffrage is an urgent need to mobilize women in the Western world for the struggle for their <coughs> political rights. And now to Turkish women in European exile. Only talk about a bit Hayriye Benayat and Selma Ruza. Selma Ruza was living several years in Sorbonne and turned back to Istanbul um, after the revolution. She was in contact with uh, several international women's organizations and reported about women's <coughs> activities, particularly to the International Council of Women and the International Women's Suffrage Alliance. And Hariye Ben Ayad was known in Europe as an active feminist against the Jari system, the system of concubinate. She defined it as white slavery. This was a common term used by the international women's organizations for forced prostitution of Christian women. She published a book about Turkish women and their harem's life, which was translated in several languages and circulating among feminist circles in Europe. And here a quotation from her report that she did to the International Council of Women at the Congress in 1904 in Berlin. A special paper was read on Thursday by Princess Harriet Ben Ayat upon white slavery in Turkey. Princess Ben Ayat is a relative of the Sultan, whose efforts to improve the lot of Turkish women has made her name widely known. In her paper, she made a strong appeal to Europe for aid in the suppression of the white slavery which exists in Turkey. Turks, said the princess, prefer to have female slaves rather than free women in the harems because the former are more submissive and can be resolved, whereas the divorce of a wife entails pecuniary sacrifice. The spirit of civilization from Europe would kill custom were it not that its leading and most influential personalities prefer that female slaves shall bring a new generation into the world and educated. The demand for white slaves is supplied by the purchase of young girls, chiefly of the Caucasian race of Asia Minor, and generally through the instrumentality of slave wives, who also train the human merchandise for the harems. White slavery in Turkey, concluded the princess, will disappear only when the pressure of the public opinion of Europe is strong enough to remove it. There is uh, no information available about her concrete activities, but her paper reflects the program of oppositional groups against Sultan Abdulhamid II, claiming for reforms and so in the European way of modernity the model that has to be. Pursued. Her report did have no effect on the works of the International Council of Women, but it shows the efforts of oppositional persons in European exile to speak about <coughs> issues which were very sensitive. 
for the Ottoman state, state like female slavery or the legitimacy of the concubinate system. We also see here the contrast, the contrast to the report of Fansham, who tried to give a very differentiated view of the women's status in the Ottoman Empire. And now to um, Kadınlar Dünyası, the women's world and its reflection about relationship with the Western women's movement. The journal Kadınlar Dünyası provides discussions about women's academic education, the economic situation, female clothes, also several letters of European feminists addressed to the Nisvan Cemiyeti, reports about the women's status and women's movement in Western counties. The publication of letters and reports about women's movement in Western counties served to present the Nisvan Cemiyeti as being a part of international women's movement and being those in contact with it. It also served to position the uh, Nisvan Cemiyeti within feminist activities in Western countries and to justify claims for reforms. The West was an important point of reference for the arguments for women's rights in the articles of the writers of the journal. <coughs> the International Feminist Congresses which have taken place uh, in Europe in 1913 and 1914, they were an important <coughs> topic for some writers of the journal to problematize the gender order within their society and to contrast it with the status of women in Europe, which they idealized in form of equal access to education, economic independence, and political enga engagement. The International Feminist Congresses got also a reception by the Turkish Daily, News, Turkish daily Press. In one daily press, the Iktam uh, Forward, a male journalist asked in his, in his article why Turkish women did not take part at such International Feminist Congresses. Such participation would be very helpful to correct the image of the country prevalent in Europe, being backward, terrible, etc. And within the Kadınlar Dünyası, a writer, Nimet Cemil, took this stance as a starting point to formulate this criticism. Think about what a Turkish lady would tell at such a congress. There will be women from various countries and talk about injustice, and about how women struggle to extend their rights, which are still denied to them. Well, then Our Lady will also talk about her worries. Undoubtedly, she will be forced to give this following speech. Ladies, I am amazed at your talks. If just half of the rights that you have were granted to us, we would regard ourselves, ourselves as being happy and would not even think about complaining. But you regard yourselves as unhappy despite so many rights, and you try to extend these rights. Listen to me, I will tell you about the situation of women in our country, which will amaze you. In our country, female schools number only one-tenth of, of male schools. Ninety percent of women have no education, with many being illiterate. Women plow together with stock on the fields. In the cities, they are the property and the servants of men. In our country, a woman cannot survive without a man and cannot even rent a house. A woman starves when her husband dies and when he does not leave her money because she cannot work for her own living costs. In our country, a man has the right to divorce his wife whenever he wishes. He can throw her from the house. Nobody listens to a woman who complains about her husband. In the house, the man calls his wife anything he likes and treats her how he pleases. 
In our country, a woman must not sing nor dance, and even when she plays sas, a music instrument, then she must do it very secretly. When she ends up here, members of the Congress would undoubtedly stand up and say with anger and hate, hey woman, what are you doing here? You don't have even have the rights of a human being. How do you dare to participate at our Congress and converse with us? And then, in a very polite way, they will throw out our lady out from the Congress Hall. The quotation reflects realities in contrast to the life standards of women in Europe, but also the intention of the Nisvanji Miyati itself, which I found as a very clear summary in a fictive way. Niemajemi connected the possibility of a participation at a feminist congress with the condition that certain women's rights must be guaranteed, <coughs> for example, the equal access to academic education, that Turkish women can then discuss at the same level with European feminists and work on correcting the bad image of the impact. This view of the Nisvanjimiyeti generally was not the reason or an obstacle for forming institutionalized relations with the Western women's movement. The possibility of an affiliation to an international women's movement, international women's organization, was mentioned only once with, within the <coughs> journal by Odette Feldman, a German journalist and a member of the Nisvanjemiete. She was living in Istanbul during this time. She suggested in 1914 to form an umbrella organization under the lead of the Nisvanjemiete with other women's groups in Istanbul and then to apply for an affiliation to the International Council of Women. This suggestion was not followed within the journal. There were several structural problems hindering to establish institutionalized relations during this time. Firstly, the International Council of Women, which could be an ideal address for a relationship because it was during this time in distance towards women's political rights and was known as a moderate feminism in compared to the International Women's Suffrage Alliance with its program of women's political <coughs> rights being very radical and the International League for Peace and Freedom being radical, pacifist and socialist. <laughs> and uh, the board of the International Council of Women had to break with its work during the First World War and couldn't follow its aim to establish contacts with Turkish women and also with women in other countries. And secondly, women's groups in Istanbul were also affected by the war situation. Women's groups in Istanbul were also affected by the war situation, which started in the Ottoman Empire already in 1912, and their engagements were mostly in the civil support for the Turkish army, for charity, for works, for orphans and widows, and also they were suffering um, under the lack of financial so sources. And Thirdly, any connection with the Western feminist organization could be very tricky and risky for Turkish women being accused and prosecuted as collaborators with enemies during war times. This can explain the reservation of the Nisvan Cemiyeti towards establishing relations with international women's organizations. This finding is in contrast to the thesis in research literature, which states more orientalist interpretative patterns within the international women's organizations towards Muslim women. The study of Kanalar Dunya Center of Nisvan Cemiyeti shows that forming of institutional relationship with Muslim women was very dependent on the question how far <coughs> local women, local women's groups were willing or motivated to cooperate with Western women's organizations. 
And now to the Turkish Women's Union and its relation with international feminism. President Nizhe Muitin, the president of the Women's Union, worked very intensively for the affiliation of the Turkish Women's Union as a section of the International Alliance of Women for Suffrage and Equal Citizenship. And due to her activities, um, Turkish feminists form, formed in, institutionalized relations with the Western Women's Movement and hosted in 1935 Congress <coughs> of the International Alliance of Women in Istanbul. The Turkish state became in 1920s and 1930s an active role player within this relation and interactions of the Turkish Women's Union with the International Alliance of Women which is then very significant and explains also how feminists played a powerful factor in the process of modernization and process of nation building. But firstly, I want to talk about the positions of the Women's Union and the Turkish state towards women's political rights, which changed during 1920s several times and so to show how ambiguous the situation was for the Women's Union. At the beginning of the history of the Turkish Women's Union, there was a commitment of the members to the women's political rights, but then afterwards they had to distance themselves from this claim publicly which means that they had a very narrowed space of action in spite of the revolutionary atmosphere of liberty and freedom which came with the Kemalist revolution. Their affiliation was within the board of the International Alliance of Women, um, controversially discussed, because the most important condition for an affiliation was the women's political rights as the goal of the program of each women's organization. The board of the International Alliance of Women accepted only women's organizations with an explicit formulation of women's political rights as their goal in their constitution. And then it, the board led then the assembly of the alliance um, at the, in the Congress in Rome, 1926, uh, to decide about, about the affiliation of Turkish Women's Union Union, which then accepted it with majority. The Turkish Women's Union was an exceptional case, so within the membership of the International Alliance of Women. In daily newspapers, Muhitin reported about this affiliation as of the Turkish Women's Union as a success and also as a confirmation that it is a Western-oriented, that the Turkish Women's Union is a Western-oriented organization and cooperates only with Western women and so in accordance to the political orientation orientation of the Turkish state. And 1926 was, this was in 1926 when the Turkish Union, uh, Women's Union was affiliated to the International Alliance of Women. And this year was also the year when the Turkish state reformed the Turkish Civil Code. The Swiss Civil Code of 1912 was introduced into the Turkish law. With it automatically the polygamy was banned and the legal age of marriage raised to 18. Family was then recognized as an institution. These developments encouraged the Women's Union to set the political rights of women again into its program. The governor of Istanbul refused to accept the new constitution of the Turkish Women's Union. But then the government in Ankara sent the order to the governor to accredit the Women's Union with its new constitution. In that year, 1926, the Turkish parliament was discussing about women's vote and then rejected the introduction of it into the Turkish law. The stance of the Turkish state was very ambiguous. This can also be observed by the imprisonment of Nezihe Muitin, the president of the Turkish Women's Union. She had criticized the Turkish government very harshly in newspapers for having rejected the introduction of the women's vote and claimed that Turkish women will struggle always for their rights until their political rights are guaranteed. Under the membership of the Women's Union, 
a fraction was formed against Muhittin. This fraction was in connection with Turkoja, Turkish Heart, an organization, a civil organization, formed during the Great War with a strong ethnical nationalistic orientation, consisting of men and women and co-working with the state. This fraction cooperated with the Turkish police to remove Muhittin from the board of the Women's Union and to let her imprisoned with the pretense to have taken money in the name of the Women's Union from Americans and those to return the domestic security of Turkey. Also, the <coughs> governor of Istanbul intervened and summoned a meeting of the Turkish Women's Union in September 1927 for the election of new board members. The elected board consisted with women belonging to the fraction against Nezihe Muitin, and this new board removed women's political rights from the program of the Women's Union, and the organization was then only focused on charity works for women. These facts show that Turkish Women's Union was strongly controlled by the Turkish state and the issue of women's political rights seemed in 1926 also for the state to be an important issue and this when the Women's Union was affiliated to the International Alliance of Women. The new board of the Women's Union reported regularly to the International Alliance of Women about the women's status in Turkey. In these reports, the board made an effort to present Turkey as being modern and Western. For example, they only focused on the new, uh, very progressive laws within the general context of 1920s, reforms by the state in regard to women's status. So the law uh, declaring the nationality of women being independent from marriage, which was uh, very progressive and didn't exist in various European countries. And, it was at the and this issue was at the focus of the campaigns of international women's organizations. But the Women's Union didn't provide information about prostitution and slavery of women and children in Turkey, which every other section of the International Alliance of Women had to do about their countries, because these issues were seen to be very sensitive by the Turkish state, and especially the polygamy, the system of concubinate and the child work, were defined by the League of Nations as forms of slavery. Polygamy and the concubinate were banned in Turkey by the law, but they existed still and were increased, particularly after the First World War, as a result of mass deportation and massacres, etc. And the League of Nations started in 1920s with rescue and humanitarian work for Armenian women and children were assumed to be forced to Muslim family, families and to convert to Islam, meaning and they were forced to be slaves. The role of the Turkish state within the relationship of the Turkish Women's Union with the International Alliance of Women gets obvious in some internal correspondences of the Turkish government. The internal correspondences of the Turkish government, and they show that Turkish women were financially supported by the Turkish state to take part at congresses of the International Alliance of Women in 1929 and in Berlin and in 1933 in Marseille. The correspondences mention about some directives given verbally to the members of the, of the Women's Union and that one of the conditions was to report that women in Turkey have won a high status thanks to the reforms by the state. So, for example, Senia Rauf, a member of the Women's Union, gave a public talk at the Congress in Marseille in 1933 that the Turkish Republic realized that the equal citizenship between women and men, and so in near future, Turkish women will sit in the Turkish parliament. The International Feminist Journal, Giuseppe the publication organ of the International Alliance of Women, 
published an article of a board member of the Turkish Women's Union, Necile Tefik, one week before the Congress in Istanbul. It is very similar to the speech of Sinha Rauf at the Congress in Marseille, but it also shows how far the state propaganda was. It also reached the international feminist press, which was in the context of emerging fascism in Europe, still the most independent and critical press. In her article, Necile Tefik names the emancipation of the Turkish women as the Renaissance and referred to an old pre-Islamic Turkish social order which was assumed to be an equal gender order. According to Tefik, the Turkish woman has now the same status like a woman in the West, and at the end of her article, she praised Ataturk to have given to Turkish women her rights. And I do translate freely this quotation. It is because of the Republic and because of Kemal Ataturk that Turkish woman has now her emancipation, a total emancipation that she could never achieve under the imperialist regime here meant the Ottoman Empire. And if she has been able to keep with the situation which was like very sudden and in a revolutionary way of reforms of the women's status, all that happened in the last 11 years. The Ghazi, like a father, with Ghazi is referred to Ataturk and uh, means war veteran. The Ghazi, like a father, gave her the possibility to increase her status. He offered her the achieving of an ideal that she couldn't dare to dream about it before. The quotation shows the propaganda of the Turkish states, and this was in accordance to the concerns about the image of the young state, and was in the frame of reforms based on the European model after the Kemalist revolution, to be recognized as an equal sovereign nation state internationally. The reforms were the abolition of, uh, the, abolition of the Sultanate, the head law, which banned the traditional head gears for men and women in public spaces, these were the veil and the fez. Also, the Arabic alphabet was replaced with Latin alphabet and an institution for the Turkish language was established to reform the Turkish language. Civil code was uh, introduced in 1926. Women's rights were in an integral part of this politics of modernization. And because the women's status was considered since the beginning of 20th century internationally as the indicator of, for a modernity of a country, International women's organizations and the League of Nations as well made use of this concept to claim for reforms, to publish reports about women's status in each country, and to celebrate each progress at international feminist congresses, which were organized as big events with concerts, public speeches of uh, people in leading positions, like Mussolini at the Congress in Rome in 1926 and the Reichsminister Severing at the Berlin Congress in 1929, city tours and sensational news about Congress in international press. And for the League of Nations to negotiate certain reforms respectively to create a public pressure on each country to pursue certain measures like the suppression of traffic in women and children. From this point of view, the Turkish Women's Union was an important mediator to strengthen the legitimacy of the Turkish nation state at international feminist congresses. After 1927, women's political rights became important for the Turkish state and their introduction into the constitution was calculated adequately. Turkey made several efforts for a membership into the League of Nations since its foundation in 1919. The membership of the Turkish state was hindered due to the Mosul question until 1930s. The issue of women's rights seemed to be a key to make efforts towards 
the image of the country as a modern and Western, and by doing so, to strengthen the legitimacy of the young state, thus an ideal candidate for a membership within the League of Nations. In 1932, after many reforms dealing with women's status and women's vote at municipal level, Turkey entered to the League of Nations. Now the 12th Congress of the International Alliance of Women in Istanbul, 238 delegates from 27 countries participated. They were representing 200 million women at the Congress and also journalists from various countries. The governor of Istanbul, Muhittin Ustunda, sponsored the dining for uh, 500 persons in the Perahot. That the Congress was so very important for the state is the fact that Ataturk invited a commission of the Alliance of the International Alliance of Women consisting of 30 members to his residence in Ankara to have a meeting which was public. The travel of the commission to the, from Istanbul to the residence of Atatürk and their talks with him were followed by many journalists and published. The 12th Congress of the International Alliance of Women was actually planned to be held in Athens in 1932, but because of financial problems, the Congress had to be postponed. The choice of Athens was the consideration that Athens is a symbolic place to show the connection of women of the East and the West. 1934, the board of the Turkish Women's Union invited the International Alliance of Women to hold the 12th Congress in Istanbul. In official and published documents of the Alliance, it is written that Istanbul is an ideal place to demonstrate the solidarity between women of the East and the West. But the decision-making process within the board of the International Alliance of Women for Istanbul shows an interdependence between strategies of the International Alliance of Women and, on the one hand, and the interest of the Turkish state on the other. The introduction of women's vote at municipal level and the information about forthcoming reforms were an argument for Istanbul. But at the end, the crucial point was that the Turkish state sponsored nearly the whole Congress by providing the whole infrastructure and the costs of traveling and hosting of the delegates, the oldest palace for the Congress, and also the production of one and a half million post stamps devoted to the Congress. The half of the revenues from the sale of these stamps were um, donated to the International Alliance of Women. This was a very welcome sponsoring of the Congress for the International Alliance of Women, which was suffering in this time under serious financial problems due to the world economic crisis in 1930s. The Turkish press, which was controlled by the state in this time, made use of the Congress to publish a whole range of articles about the modernity of Turkey and how Atatürk was celebrated as the liberator of Muslim women by delegates from several countries. Two weeks after the International Feminist Congress, the Turkish Women's Union was forced to be dissolved by the government. The argument towards the public was that Turkish women had the equal rights as men, and thus an organization of them with political goals was only redundant. The Turkish Women's Union was formed again in 1949 with former members, and when the one-party regime of the Kemalist government was ended and the phase of multi-party government in Turkey started. And to summarize or to, hi to highlight the main points, as well, the 12th Congress shows that international women's organizations risk, risk to be instrumentalized by nation state as a tool for, to propagate their own modernity and to oppress critics on existing problems of such as prostitution and female slavery. And it also shows that the Turkish Women's Union was an important mediator for the state to an international feminist public. 
to legitimize their own sovereignty as a Western nation state. I end my speech here. Thank you very much for your attention.